As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. goodness welcome to the Steelers Outpost podcast proud member of Sports Drink Network have you ever been so excited for a podcast about a one in three football team Hmm? have you ever been so excited for a podcast about a team that just lost to a squad that will surely be by the end of the season a bottom five team in the NFL in the New York Jets the Steelers lost to the Jets right and no offense to the Jets That's sort of our secondary team with our cousin Pete Butch, frequent collaborator of the show, being a Jets fan. And we do actually think the Jets will be good or have a good chance at being very good over the next few years. But the bottom line is they're not good right now. Every player and coach on their team is a first or second year guy. And Zach Wilson is just getting back from injury. And the Steelers lose to them. Staring down the barrel at four extremely good teams coming up on the schedule next. So the Steelers, more likely than not, will be one and seven by the end of these next four weeks. I'm saying it's a guarantee, but it is more than likely. And here we are excited for the podcast because why? Duh. The Candy Pickett era has begun in Pittsburgh. A sacrifice had to be made. A statement had to be made. A statement of how crappy the Steelers are right now had to be made. And we thank the Jets for doing this. If the Steelers had gotten blown out by the Chiefs, maybe Mike Tomlin doesn't put in Mitch Trubisky. He thinks that's the Chiefs, you know. We we need a couple more weeks. Once we get TJ back, we'll be in the running to to beat them. Mike Tomlin drinking during the middle of games, convincing himself of these uh, impossibilities. We're going to have a dominant defense this year. I don't know. I don't know who thought that or how he could convince himself or something like that. But we do have a few good players on defense. we got a few good players on offense. And now we're about to find out if we have the quarterback of the future, the golden boy, Kenny Pickett, hair flowing, arm throwing, three picks, yes, but obviously a very exciting performance that we'll get into and we'll break down. I do think he looked very good, to be completely honest with you. We'll see what it leads to. Once he has some more time to prepare for games and just more sample size of what he can do. But we'll get into that over the course of the podcast and really just dig into the Kenny Pickett element because now the season has new life. The season has hope for the future. Look, like we've said on the podcast a number of times this season and offseason, the Steelers are not competing for a Super Bowl this year. There's a 0% chance, but they're also not 
starting from scratch. They have a few spectacular pieces. They have a few young all pros on defense who you can build around. They have a few extremely talented skill position players. How many of them will be around for a long time? I don't know, but you got to assume you got at least a few. And then we're about to find out if they have the quarterback. So the rest of the season is all about figuring out if Kenny Pickett has the promise to be the guy, which of course we hope for. And he's looked good so far. He's kind of passed every test thus so far. And I'll get into the interceptions and all that, how to grade that. But look, the Steelers staring down one and seven, they might have a chance to get a more physically talented quarterback prospect. I, I love Kenny. I'm excited about him. He's the 20th pick in the draft. We know that there's the quarterback is everything in the NFL. I know sometimes the media acts like wins and losses are entirely due to the quarterback, but and that's not true. But you only get so many chances to pick at the dra- top of the draft and grab a guy who is going to have far larger of an effect on wins and losses than any other single player on the team, right? So with the Steelers staring down Mike Tomlin's first losing season, which I think is a good thing. I think it puts the pressure on for them to, to, to make changes a little bit more decisively, same way that Kenny Pickett throws the ball a little bit more decisively than Mitch Trubisky, right? You, you do have to look at this and say, hey, is this an opportunity to bolster the lines with the top 10 pick, or is there a potential to get a Bryce Young or Will Levis or whoever it may be? And I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, and I'm hoping that it's, it, it, Kenny Pickett balls out so hard that they don't even have to think about that. I think so far Kenny Pickett's looking like the guy, but you can't deny – well, looking like the guy. It's a tiny sample size. You just can't deny that the Chargers, yeah, they're injured, but they're where they're at because they got a top 10 pick. Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, the Bengals get to the Super Bowl. Like, you ha- these, these are opportunities. Ben was drafted at 11. Steelers aren't finding themselves in this position very often. So we've been released from the tedium and the boredom of watching these awful soccer games that the Steelers play because now – It's not so much about wins and losses as it is about judging Kenny, Pickens, Deontay, Najee, and all these guys and and figuring out what the Steelers have going forward because they're not starting from scratch. So we'll look at that. And then secondarily, I'm going to take a quote from Deontay Johnson talking about his frustration after the game and about how he knows it's a quote-unquote rebuilding year. And we're going to look at that because it's true. The last couple of years have been little rebuilding years. The only thing about the Steelers is sometimes they're kind of one foot in, one foot out of trying to be competitive and, and, and truly admitting the fact that for a you know, five-year, half a decade, the Steelers had a top five offense with the Killer Bees, and you lost every single solitary player from that lineup. So you see it's going to take a few years to, to reload. Look at the Patriots. Look what they're going through when they lost the same thing, right? But Deontay Johnson called it a rebuilding year. So we're going to look at that, and we're going to look at the fact that Mike Tomlin, the clock is ticking now. It's finally on. I'm a Tomlin guy, but you just can't deny where the Steelers are at right now. And the beautiful thing is it's looking like it's going to be very hard to deny where the Steelers are at by the end of the season because you're not going to be able to sit there on that no losing seasons thing anymore. I'm not saying the Steelers you know, are, are absolutely dead, but 
yeah, the odds aren't looking great. And that actually may be a great thing for the long-term outlook of the Steelers in general. Let's get into it. I'm not going to bury the lead here. I think Kenny played well. He had three picks. Obviously, if the guy throws three picks going forward, or if we see four more games, and he's throwing more interceptions and touchdowns in every game, yeah, of course I'll be worried. Naturally, we're not going to count the Hail Mary pick. That doesn't matter. And actually, to be honest with you, the Hail Mary, is a, to me, it was a weird little bit of a positive because I think he chucked that thing about 64 yards in the air. Now, it does show you the difference between a regular NFL quarterback and Kenny Pickett and Aaron Rodgers because when Aaron Rodgers throws that Hail Mary, it comes down from the moon. But obviously, I'm not trying to compare him to you know, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, thrower of the ball ever. But Kenny can uncork that thing. Yeah, like we've said, all he doesn't have any like plus physical traits, any elite physical traits, but they're all good. Size, arm strength, accuracy, scrambling, all that stuff. So we're not gonna count that. Then the pick to Claypool, there are a couple different factions on Twitter. There's the faction that says if you can't throw a moon ball up to a six four receiver being guarded by a 5-9 cornerback, then I don't know what to tell you. And then there's the other faction that says it, it wasn't intentionally a throw-up. He actually did underthrow him, and he was running a post pattern. It was a little bit of a double coverage situation, and he should have thrown it farther. I happened to rest in the first camp. I mean, it, it wasn't double coverage by the time the ball came down, and it really was stop. You have all the time in the world to jump up and make a play on the ball. You are 6'4", Chase Claypool. This cornerback is 5'9". You want NFL quarterbacks to make these throws. This is the problem with Mitch Trubisky. He does not take risks. In the NFL, Ryan Fitzpatrick made a career out of it. Ryan Fitzpatrick actually ended up being a decent quarterback. And sometimes it would backfire on him. But with his below average everything, starting with arm strength, he would at least take chances and push the ball downfield to receivers, right? So if if Kenny, if that's a bad interception for Kenny, the the part that I'd be most upset about is just you gotta know your personnel. Chase Claypool hasn't made a high point contested catch in his career. He probably never will. So maybe that's not the guy, maybe that's not the six four guy you throw it to. But I that one doesn't bother me that much. And the one that he threw to Fryermuth, that one was bad. I see people defending it, but Kenny said in the post game he meant to throw it higher, so it was a throwaway. He recognized exactly what the mistake was. It's just a dumb ball to throw. I mean, you're you're fading back off your back foot in the pocket, trying to complete a one yard pass with a guy draped all over Fryermuth. That is just a lift to, to play another down kind of thing. Okay, so there's the interceptions. I'm just going to get those out of the way first. And also, you do have to give the caveat that he didn't really get any practice reps. And I think it was Adam Archuleta, who, by, the, by the way, who was awesome on the broadcast, former stud safety for the Rams, I believe, in Washington. But I think he pointed out that when he visited the Steelers' practice, Trubisky got basically every single rep. So Kenny's going in there cold. I can't imagine how nervous he was. I mean, that's the thing we're so excited about for Kenny Pickett is how poised he is. And I think that's what his career is going to play out as, no matter whether he's good or bad. I mean, he's a poised guy in the field. But with how frantic the Steelers fandom, including myself, have been 
Well, I guess I'm not frantic about it. I, I was more frantic the past few years as this started happening, unraveling in front of our eyes. But with as frantic as the Steelers nation has been and just general you know, ESPN national shows and the stadium, which is doing their job, Akersher Stadium doing God's work, raining down booze on the Steelers after their various three and outs, chanting Kenny's name in the stadium, right? That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Everyone thinks he's going to go in and he's going to fix the whole thing. And by the way, you're trotting on in that field. You know that Matt Canada is still your offensive coordinator, right? But like we've said, there's enough sample size through a few games to know that the offensive line isn't as bad as New York's, who's down to their fifth string left tackle, I think. I mean, that was pretty evident during the game, the duress that Zach Wilson was under compared to the Steelers players. But And then you got some good skill position guys. You know, high point catches notwithstanding. So you give Kenny a, a pass in terms of you look at it as this is the rookie's first game getting thrust into action. And that's what I'll chalk up some of the sloppy aspects to in terms of the numbers. And obviously, if that continues, we'll, we'll say, well, this is unacceptable. He just throws the ball to the other team too much. But does anyone really think that's what's going to happen with Kenny Pickett? Like, that's not his game. That's never been his game. That's not why he was drafted. He was drafted because he is smooth and just un- an under-control quarterback. And that's what I thought he was. He looked in this first game the same way he looked in the preseason, which was under-control, decisive. He's such a quicker decision-maker. Every ball is a spiral. Every ball is accurate, lets the receiver run with the ball after the catch. And as we've seen, he is ready to let receivers make plays. George Pickens, I know he had a long one from Trubisky in the first half, 30-yarder or something, but what was it, six receptions for 106 yards or something like that? Starting off with the back shoulder ball from Kenny Pickett, gorgeous back shoulder on one sideline. He's He's – He is more aggressive than Mitch. It's not the aggressive comments about Mitch. I've seen people try to back up the fact that Mitch is more aggressive with these ADOT stats and things on the field. It just doesn't match up with the tape, and that's the issue with stats. Mitch only pushes the ball downfield on the sidelines. It's like what we watched from Ben the past few years. It's these YOLO balls that never really feel like he's trying to strike down the middle or with good back shoulder throws if you're going to go to the sideline. So Kenny showed that. Obviously, the big play that we're all excited about is the throw to Fryermuth on the post down the middle of the field, which he had that exact throw, I believe, in the preseason, where he drops back to pass, and Quinn and Williams, a top five overall NFL draft selection from a few years ago, beast, breaks through the line pretty much untouched. He's barreling down on Kenny, and Kenny – stands there in the pocket, no hesitation whatsoever, knows he's about to get potentially decapitated. Best case scenario, dismembered. And he rips one, where? Down the middle of the field to Pat Pat Fryermuth for like a 20-something yard gain and gets absolutely crushed by Quinn and Williams, gets up and is smiling and talking trash to the other team, and Pittsburgh collectively swole up. Yeah, we all we all felt that one. It was glorious. And those are the quarterbacky things that he does 
that you can't get with Mitch Trubisky. Neil Kulong on Twitter, a buddy of ours, pointed out on the replay of that play. He said, there's no doubt in my mind that when Quinton Williams breaks through the line on this play, we know that Mitch is going to throw to the running back in the flat. There's no doubt. That's what Mitch does. So you know when there's a free runner, when there's a blitz or whatever, there's going to be an opening in the field. Mitch, his reaction is either to run away or to dump it off, where Kenny knows, oh, this is my chance. I got a guy in the middle of the field, and he rips it in there and takes the hit and gets up. And I bet you that felt great for him. A lot of quarterbacks talk about that. You need to take a big hit, and especially if you make a completion on it, to sort of knock the cobwebs off. I think it sort of jolts you awake and lets you realize, like, oh, cool, I, I survived that hit. Yeah, that hurt like hell, but I'm good. I'm ready for the next play. Okay, there's nothing to be afraid of, so to speak, right? So I thought that Kenny was really solid, and I don't know. This podcast could be four hours because it, it gives me so many thoughts. It's, just, it's frustrating to watch, knowing that this is how he would play from after the preseason and with Mike Tomlin just holding on to this Trubisky thing, especially after Mike Florio put out the rumor last week that basically everybody in the Steelers building, and I don't know if that means just players and coaches or front office personnel or whatever it is, but the vast majority of the Steelers building wanted Kenny Pickett to play, and Tomlin's really the only guy who didn't want him to play. And by the way, I think that checks out based on the way that the receivers have given their post-game interviews, not just this game the past few weeks. And Deontay, who has no control over his mouth, now that he's being interviewed, he's going to learn how to interview uh, a little bit more cleanly in these post-game things. But, you know, he basically said, like, Kenny has swag. Like, when he gets into the huddle, he commands us to get in there, like, huddle up, and here's the play. He described that in detail. That is a major indictment on Trubisky. And by the way, it's in concert with the way Trubisky has been his whole career. None of this Trubisky stuff should be a surprise. We can't act like he had one or two. It's not even like Baker Mayfield. Like, there's this massive sample size. Guys started over 60 games in the NFL, and he played in Pittsburgh the same way he played in Chicago. That, 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 the, the spending of money on him in the offseason was so brutal. When you just had Mason Rudolph right there, you just thought you were going to run a Lamar Jackson offense or something. You needed a mobile quarterback. Like, hey, Mitch, welcome to town. Can't wait for you to be Josh Allen this year for the Steelers. We – Love Josh Allen. He reminds a lot of fans of Ben Roethlisberger, sort of a modernized version. Hey, I'm, not, uh, I'm not Josh Allen. <laughs> what? But we, we just traded for you for, for, in Buffalo, right? Yeah, yeah, it was Josh Allen's backup, Mitch Trubisky. No, that, that can't be right. No, that's me. That sucky quarterback from Chicago? Yep, that's me. I'm, but I'm ready to play, guys. I'm good now. Okay, so you're telling us that you're Josh Allen now because you spent some time with him, right? Nope. I'm Mitch. Okay, well, we think you're Josh Allen, so get in there. You can't just back up Josh Allen and have him rub off on you. I don't know what, I don't know what the implication is there, but I'm digressing. Let's wrap up the Kenny thing. We've talked so much about his game on the podcast, but maybe we got some new listeners here. It's just sudden. It's crisp. It spirals. It's, it's quick decision-making. And as you saw, he's got that gamer thing. You know, he doesn't care about getting hit. Trucked a couple guys going into the end zone on a touchdown. The first touchdown was actually a pretty uh, valiant sneak as aided by uh, some, I don't know if it was Najee or a couple linemen as well. But, uh, yeah, you got to like it. And it's going to be interesting to see where the Steelers go moving forward. 
uh, from here because it can't be back to Mitch Trubisky. What is the point? You saw Kenny was in the game. He didn't perish. He didn't die. We need to find out now if Kenny Pickett is the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger because there is a believable chance that the Steelers are going to have a top five to ten draft pick and they could be in range for a quarterback who's more physically talented than Kenny. And I don't want to sound like a Kenny hater here. I'm just being realistic. You got to take these chances when you get them. As you can see, it's not very often that you get high enough in the draft to, to truly get a game-changing quarterback. And the reason why you have to take those chances is because obviously the quarterback disproportionately affects your ability to win games more than any other player on the team. Now, popular to the way that media covers the game, he's the quarterback isn't the only reason why you win or the only reason why you lost, but you got to take these opportunities when you get them. Just ask Cincinnati and Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert in LA. There's, you know, we'll see about this Trevor Lawrence thing. There's, there's a number of examples, right? And that's the only reason why I'm saying that about Kenny. I like what I've seen from him so far. I really hope that he's the man. But if nothing else this season, you have to figure out if he's that guy or are you in line for a Bryce Young or Will Levis or someone like this. And just just make sure everybody has it clear. I'm not saying that those guys are better than Kenny for sure or not, but it will really help to get some, some info on Kenny. And obviously, we, we're rooting for him to be the guy. This is the Pittsburgh Golden Boy. So we'll, I'll definitely be excited to see him start against the Bills next week. I'll be absolutely shocked if he doesn't. And by the way, if he doesn't, then panic. Okay, part two. So Deontay Johnson says the Steelers are in a rebuilding season. I mean, he's absolutely correct. I just want to spend the end of the pod here looking at Mike Tomlin and I'm guessing the Rooney's decision-making because the Steelers have had a reputation for having ownership that of course is spectacular, but having ownership that does not meddle or does not really make football decisions over the years. And Mike Florio has pointed it out on Pro Football Talk, and, and we pointed it out a little bit on this podcast over the years. I, I don't want to say that's misleading, but I do think that the Roonies step in from time to time with particular decisions. Obviously, they made Cower draft Ben instead of drafting that offensive guard that he wanted. Right? That's a famous story. I think all the comments about needing a run game two years ago led them to drafting Najee Harris a little bit, which is an odd way to get a run game going. As we see, there's not a ton of holes for the guys in the, the guy at the moment, although that is definitely moving forward. But we want to look at the direction of the team. and I don't want to put it all on Tomlin because I do think there are other things going on behind the scenes. Um, but we have to question if Tomlin, a guy who seems extremely humble and objective and able to admit his mistakes. We're going to see if he's just being stubborn for the sake of, of stubbornness, because that's what it seemed like when after the Browns loss, he wouldn't commit to making a quarterback change. He actually said empirically, we're not going to do it. Or whenever he, he, he said that, that sort of felt like, Hey, th- I don't know how much more you need to see of Mitch Trubisky, I don't know what, you, what your plan is. 
to not be going to Kenny. Like, are you looking at this team and honestly thinking once TJ Watt comes back, I'm sure nobody else will get injured. And we're going to be so good that we're going to catch up to the Bills and the Chiefs and the Dolphins and we're going to make a Super Bowl run. Like, if that's what he, that's what it seemed like he was implying by saying, I'm definitely not going to put Kenny Pickett in. And if he thinks that, that's insane. And there, I just don't believe that somebody as smart and experienced as Mike Tomlin, somebody as down to earth and who's connected, not some old school coach who's burying his head in the sand. I just couldn't believe that he honestly would assess his team that way to think you could somehow string together some miracle season with, you know, a Jimmy Garoppolo type of situation. I mean, not even, but like we're going to have an incredible defense, which by the way, nobody has anymore. And you have to know Tomlin knows that based off of the rules. Best thing he can have is opportunistic defense. Really? We're just going to go win the Super Bowl Cause that's the only way, way I could see him justifying keeping Mitch Trubisky in with how ineffective Mitch was. And look, I know you could say, hey, Mitch has only played for three games. He hasn't played in a year. There's other issues with the offense. There's Matt Canada. But especially after this game with Kenny, and especially after the preseason, you just got to be able to look at this and say, this isn't Mitch Trubisky getting used to an offense. This is Mitch Trubisky playing the exact same way he's always played. He's not Josh Allen. He just hung out with Josh Allen for a year. That makes no difference. I don't, I don't know how the, the guy's stock rose after one good preseason game in Buffalo and 60 bad games as a starter in Chicago. So if we circle back, if I rein this in and bring it back to overall strategy and team building, I don't know why you would commit so hard to not playing Kenny Pickett. Then, because, because it's like, well, if you're not going to the Super Bowl this year, you need to start developing your quarterback to see what he's going to do. Because it's clear that the line is blocking well enough where you're not going to ruin Kenny Pickett. You know, if the line was, was as bad as the Jets or the Giants or one of those teams, Washington, okay, I can understand not wanting him to put Kenny in there so he could start seeing ghosts and all that. But we have enough sample size to show, all right, it's, it's time to rock and roll. If you're not putting – if you're, you don't want to take Mitch out, you're just being stubborn. And all of Mike Tomlin's comments and actions insinuated that. However, he put Kenny in. He put him in against the Jets and it was the right decision. And that just makes you wonder, is Mike Tomlin just saying stubborn things like that in the press conferences – because he's trying not to give the media anything. He's trying not to rock the boat in any way to create dissension among the troops. He's trying not to make too many ESPN headlines and stories. That's believable too, right? So all of that is to say, I, I, I'm just curious to see what Mike Tomlin goes doing for, go, what he does going forward. Because it is tricky to connect the dots at this point on what the strategy is. And it's going to get a lot easier now that we do have Kenny Pickett in the game. So people are angry with Mike Tomlin. And the biggest crime of Tomlin's, I think we can all agree on if we have clear, sober heads, is his coordinator selection. 
Because ever since Dick LeBeau and I'll say Todd Haley left, they have not had even competent coordinators. And now the interesting thing is they sort of lucked into Brian Flores as an assistant defensive coach. Mike Tomlin calls him a rental. He's definitely going to get a job right away. I don't know if that's true. I mean, they might be able to get him for another year or two. But we'll see how that plays out. But that's the big problem with Mike Tomlin is that his coordinators have been terrible. And Haley had his issues, but he's at least, at worst, a league average coordinator. At worst. He's a decent coordinator. And then the way I look at it, he wore out his welcome in Pittsburgh. Everybody wants to say Ben chased him out of town. Look, guys, he, he, he got chased out of town in every job he's ever been in. And then the very next job he had for the Browns, he didn't even make it a full season. Which is funny because you hear him on podcasts and he actually sounds like a really cool guy who is self-aware. But he's explosive in buildings. This isn't just a Ben thing. This isn't just a Steelers thing. His time just sort of came to an end. It's sort of like how AB's time came to an end. That's a much more extreme example. But sometimes things just end. Russell Wilson, he wore out his welcome in Seattle. They got tired of each other. But, you know, when you add... Haley and Arians, and even Arians, I do think had some issues. And especially in that Super Bowl, the Steelers are running for damn near six yards of carry, and he just wants, keeps wanting to throw it deep. And, you know, no risk it, no biscuit, Bruce Arians. Obviously, he went on to have a spectacular coaching career the rest of his career with Indianapolis, Arizona, and Tampa Bay. But it just seemed like, you know, the time ended there. But – since then, Tomlin has empl- employed Feetner, which at the time of the hiring, it's not an insane hire. You know, quarterback, coach, close to Ben, let's try this. This guy's been around for 10 years with both of those coordinators. There is some reason to believe he could be a good coordinator. He clearly showed immediately that he wasn't, but the Steelers being the Steelers can't cut bait with somebody after a year because that would make them like Washington or that would make them like the Jaguars. We give people time to develop. You've seen how our players develop. Troy wasn't a star his first year. You needed to give him a year to develop. Well, then they finally fire him after two historically bad offensive years, and they promote Matt Canada. Again, not an insane hire. Now, obviously, we have the issue that I've pointed out on the podcast before that there has yet to be in the past two decades, a successful college offensive coordinator who has made the transition to the pros. I've said this on Twitter, and I've seen some people point out, like, Matt Kennedy has coached in the pros. It's like, if you look at his resume, he's coached, like, 20-plus years in college, and he had two years sprinkled in there as, like, a positional guy in the NFL. That's, that, that's, that's a college coordinator, you guys. So, sure, that's a warp, but on the other hand – he was representing a potential switch for the Steelers to to get into the more modernized play calling in the NFL with a lot of motion and misdirection and, and trying to scheme open play. So it was an attempt to get to that area. Everyone wants to say the Shanahan, McVay, you know, way of playing. You got LaFleur doing it in Green Bay to a – far more simplified extent, but it is the same sort of theory with a lot of motion and movement. 
So the Canada hire is not insane. But once again, the tape is out. We have plenty of tape on Matt Canada. He sucks. And I think it's objective at this point. When you just look at the small number of plays he runs from the small number of formations and the abject lack of success they've had on borderline historic levels recently, it's time to cut bait with these guys. So to kind of wrap this all up, like we're trying to see what the strategy is. I think that the Steelers having a bad season this year, but having encouraging performances from guys like Kenny Pickett, from guys like George Pickens, who's showing that, you know, he could really be a star in this league, right? No coincidence that you get Kenny in and they get him to 100 yards. And, yep, I know that Mitch had a long pass to him as well. But, like, Mike has to know that it's not just the defense win championships thing. They have to invest in the offense, and they have to invest quickly. You know, they have that cliche, CEOs don't become CEOs. They don't become successful because they just triple down on decisions. They make decisions, and then they fail fast and pivot. I think the Steelers need to be a little bit braver in pulling the trigger on failed experiments like Feetner in Canada and, and Keith Butler. A six-year experiment that never got better. You just it, you invested so much money in that defense. It's like, of course, by the time they had the duck year, when you have nothing but first-round picks all over your defense, you're you're pretty good. By the way, they didn't play anybody that year either. So even that's fool's gold. The quarterback, like the best quarterback they freaking played, was Jared Goff, right? That never got better, and that's been Tomlin's biggest issue. And that's what I hope a losing season like this year does, was in, would be encourage them to fire guys quicker if, it, if the experiment's not working, like Matt Canada, right? And then hopefully Mike Tomlin realizes you can't win Super Bowls with just the dominant defense, but if you invest in the offense and this upcoming draft, like so help me God if they go defensive lineman in the first round, I know defensive line is a massive need for the team. But I just think that offensive line is a big need as well to be able to generate some sort of run game, right, to give the offense flexibility. And if there's a tie, tie goes to the offense in the modern NFL, in, in, in my opinion, because the rules are so set up to help the offense succeed. And then what you want on defense is an opportunistic defense, sacks and turnovers. The Steelers can do that. If the offense gets better, the stars on the defense, it's, it's going to pop so much more because I just find it so hard to argue anything. But look, the, offense, the defense is getting not just exhausted, but they're getting figured out because of how many attempts the opposing offenses get to diagnose the Steelers' defense. So – that's what I'm looking forward uh, to with Tomlin because I just, you know, everyone's going to, there's going to be fire Tomlin talks every year. It's going to get more serious this year after the losing se- season and the record could look really bad, even though the Steelers could have more talent and an ability and opportunity to turn around quickly. But I think you let Tomlin walk out of the building and you could be thinking for years, like how do you let a special leadership talent like that out the building You are seeing it right now with Nathaniel Hackett and Josh McDaniels, one of the all-time greatest offensive coordinators in the history of football, Josh McDaniels.
Yep, obviously Brady, Belichick, amazing, amazing. But when you look at what the Patriots did, and when you understand that Belichick was extremely hands-off of the offense, letting Josh McDaniels run a, run a ball to that, you look at the unbelievable number of formations and plays and everything like that. Josh McDaniels had a huge hand in the success of the Patriots, and those guys blow as head coaches so far. You understand there is a value to the leadership and the organizational aspect. The thing with Tomlin, if you let him out of the building, it is hard to find those kind of guys. You got to get him coordinators. If you can get B-Flow to take the defense for a year or so or whatever, it is great. But just keep turning over the leaf until you find another Bruce Arians or Todd Haley to run the offense. That's my solution for the Steelers going forward. We're going to find out if Kenny Pickett is the guy. But with the Tomlin thing, it's like he's at bad coordinators. Yep, agreed. You're not going to always get one on the first try or the second try. Keep shooting. Let's see what they can do going forward. I'm super excited to see Kenny play. Obviously, it's going to be tough playing the Buffalo Bills, probably the best team in the NFL in the next game. Steelers are lucky that Micah Hyde and Tredavious White both will not be playing in the Bills' secondary. I don't think Tredavious White will be um, for this game. And I don't, I don't think that this is an example where the Steelers are just going to not be able to score any points whatsoever. I mean, I think that the Bills will handle them, of course, but I, I don't think that this is going to be a completely hopeless attempt for the Steelers. Now, interesting thing is I do think I heard that the Bills have surrendered a total of seven points in the second half of all games this season, like cumulatively. So that could be a little tricky. So let's get started fast here. But once again, thought Kenny looked good in the first game. I, I'll be shocked if the offense doesn't improve. I saw either Alex Gazora or Nick Farbaugh put out a tweet that they think that the Steelers' ceiling will, will rise with Kenny Pickett in there and their floor will lower because of the potential for interceptions. I get what they mean. I don't even – I don't necessarily agree. I mean, I guess I do. Like, they could get blown out more with the interceptions, but I just think that there's going to be more scoring, more yards gained, which is going to have a, even with the interceptions, is going to have a cumulative positive effect on the offense. Because some of those interceptions are going to be in the red zone. They're going to be like, or deep passes, you know, they're going to be like the punts regardless. So, uh, or the three and outs that we're constantly racking up these days. So, very excited. For the next few games, so cool seeing the crowd reaction to Kenny. Hilarious, right? Like, the Steelers haven't cheered like that in, in quite some time. Although I was mentioning, I guess, week one, they were great against the Bengals. But uh, pretty exciting going forward. Can't wait to see where George Pickens and Pat Fryermuth go uh, with Kenny in there. And, um, yeah, let the, let the hair flow. Let the man throw. Until next week. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Email us, SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye.